You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Tess Fregara, Soul Powered Executive Coach, and you can find more about me and the work I do at soulpoweredleaders.com. This podcast is designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity. And the purpose is to shed light on what is dumbing down human consciousness. So whether that's intentional or unintentional crimes against humanity, we're going to find out. And today's topic is truth about media. And we have the author of It's Not Right Left, It's Top Down Truth About Media, Mr. Owen Major. I am happy to be here and I'm happy to share a little bit about my book. You know, It's Not Right Left, It's Top Down, The Truth About the Media. I'm excited to, to get Yeah, going. I'm excited to, really excited about the background behind uh, why you decide to write that book. But first, Owen, why did you say yes to coming on Soul Power to the People podcast? I said yes. When you when you reached out to me, I was really interested. And I'm, I'm trying to sh share this message about, about the mainstream media in the United States. So I was kind of looking for any outlet um, out there. But then seeing your podcast being about crimes against humanity, I thought this kind of my topic fit fit in pretty pretty well here because I don't know if I'd say it's it's a direct crime against humanity what the media is doing and how they operate but I would I would say you could definitely classify it as an indirect crime against humanity because of the consequences that come from our media not being as objective as they as they claim to be there's there's a mm -hmm. lot of big consequences and everyday people feel it well they feel it it has big big effects um, and we can we can definitely get into that. That's why I said yes. I'm happy to be here to just share a little bit about what I think and what what I learned through my whole research project for a research process for this book. So whether it's direct or indirect, there is definitely a crime, in my opinion, because people are being led to their own demise. There are consequences. There's death, there's a lot of issues right now are being amplified needlessly by the media. Mm -hmm. so there are people dying, there are people suffering because of their influence. Whether that's direct or indirect, there is definitely a crime against humanity. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if you, if you talk about, basically, I mean, I guess we can kind of lay, lay into it right now, right? What is our problem with our mainstream media? It's not necessarily that the journalists themselves are lying to us and we should fault the journalists themselves. It's the whole system of the mainstream media in the United States, right? It's the structure of corporate ownership. And, and that's what I really get at in, in my book. The impact that it has is you end up having all your news filtered through the lens of these billion dollar corporations and these billion dollar corporate, corporate actors, their, their interests. In the interests of everyday people don't get into the news as much as they as they should. So you see like a, a policy like Medicare for all, for example, right, which would help so many people and would save so many lives. It's just criticized in the mainstream media. And when I'm talking about the mainstream media, I'm talking about 
not all of it, right? I'm talking about MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, the Washington Post, CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox, right? All of these, all of these companies, right? All of these news outlets are are much more similar than they are than they are different. A lot of people don't really see how similar these these news companies actually are and how they're set up and how the system of filtration goes and why what things get reported on and what things don't get reported on. And that's what I really tried to tried to do with my book is just show that it's it's not it's not right left. The people who watch Fox News, their enemies shouldn't be the people who watch MSNBC and and vice versa, right? We need to kind of all wake up to the fact that we're all being conned and we're not getting a true story from from any of these sources, whether they're right sources on the right or sources on the right or sources on the left. They're well, they're not as objective as they claim to be. And it leads to a very, very troubling development where people are arguing, but we can't even agree on what is fact and what is fiction anymore. So talk to me about journalism. Why is it you mentioned something that it's not necessarily the fault of the journalist or the reporter? Yeah, I can elaborate on that. Think of it this way, right? If you yourself or whoever's out there listening to this, right? If you know you have you have a lot of financial obligations, right? You either have to pay your rent or your mortgage payment, you gotta pay for health care or if you if you're lucky enough to have employer sponsored health care right you don't want to lose that you got to pay for your family if you have have a family that you're supporting right so there, there's a there's a lot of financial obligations on on us people in in America so and journalists are no different right they have these obligations right can we really expect them to not do what their their job is right and we don't we don't always recognize what their job actually is, but they're they're hired by by their news outlets, right? Who are then in turn owned by bigger corporations, right? NBC is ultimately owned by Comcast, which is a massive corporation, billion dollar corporation, and that chain of command goes, right? So the journalist that's working in an NBC newsroom isn't with the Comcast CEO every day, but ultimately that chain of command goes to the Comcast executives, right? Can you really expect a single journalist to walk in to go against the wishes of the ultimate boss, which would be, you know, the Comcast executives? You can't really do that, right? You can't can't really expect that. So what we need to do is we need to change the system and we need to get rid of the structure of corporate ownership, right? And if we don't do that, I there isn't really going to be much, much change because it's not that every journalist there wants to not show the full story and wants to lie about things. I mean, and there's definitely groupthink and and that as well. But what the target that needs to be blamed, right? And what we need to change is the the whole system of the media and the structure of it. It's not the individual journalists that are there because they're just ultimately they're trying to keep their jobs. They're trying to to move up just like any of us in in our own, in our own careers. Um, We're all trying to make ends meet. So you can't really blame the individual journalist, but we can we can blame the structure. There's compassion there, but it's kind of um, similar to not a journalist. I, I, I before I had this uh, podcast, I was talking to a doctor about hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. and masking and their view on it. 
and she's pretty much dead set on saying, well, it's already banned. You know, it's not good for you. Oh, really? What, what if I want it? Would you prescribe it to me? And she said, no, my hands are tied. But is that really true that people's hands are tied? What is our moral obligation? Why did you write the book? Why did I write this book? Well, I wrote it because, well, what really brought me to write it was, so I graduated high school in 2016. And that was my first real coming to, of you know, the elections in our country and really following the news. I'd always kind of heard things and somewhat stayed up to date. But I mean, I was just, I was just in high school, so I wasn't really that into everything. But as I came and then I went to college and got my degree in political science and did a lot of journalism stuff there and was paying a lot of attention to the news and everything. I really couldn't help but realize just how, you know, how slanted the news is against certain perspectives, right? And not even, and it's, it's not right, left, really. It's, it's about, are you inside the club or are you outside the club? People who are, you know, viewed as outsiders and are more for the people in general have a much harder time gaining good positive media coverage. And a very good example of that is the past, um, well, the 2016 Democratic primary and the 2020 Democratic primary, um, where Bernie Sanders, who was, by all accounts, much more um, pro-people, pro-working class, right, anti anti-big corporations, anti-billionaire, right? He was treated very, I would say, very un- unfairly by, by the mainstream media, whereas other candidates who were more inside the club, more insider, inside the Beltway, more not really going to change anything, pro the status quo, um, got very good coverage. And so using the 2020 primary as an example, um, you saw that when... Bernie Sanders looked like he was going to run away with the Democratic nomination after its big landslide victory in Nevada. Um, the mainstream media afforded Joe Biden uh, $72 million of free advertising, right? The equivalent of free media, um, free positive coverage. And that really helped swing the narrative and eventually slingshot Biden to the nomination and now, and now the presidency. Um, so getting back to what, what really made me write the book is I started seeing all this happening in 2016 and, and it wasn't just with Sanders. That's just kind of one of the bigger, um, experiences there that I saw, but it wasn't just with Sanders. It's just, you can't really help but see it. And it's, it's about policies. It's about, it's about perspectives and what we're seeing in the media and what gets amplified and what doesn't. But I saw that there was this very clear, um, problem that certain perspectives don't get any airtime when certain perspectives get all the airtime, right? It's a very pro-status pro, uh, quo, um, pro-insider uh, environment the media is now. And so seeing that and having saw what happened in 2016 and then seeing what happened in 2020 again in both the primaries and then and then also growing up and, and talking to people and hearing how many people would fight about, you know, something they heard on Fox News and then somebody would be arguing about something they heard on MSNBC when both of them weren't 
the full truth. Um, and you just see this happening so much. And I just think we're so divided as a country when we should be able to all agree on what is fact and what is fiction. Um, so seeing all of these things is what really led me to wanting to write this book. Um, right. I think our media and, and getting the news, getting objective news, is so important for our society to really flourish to the, um, as, as much as it possibly can. And, and we just don't have that right now. No. So, right. so that's, that's really what motivated me to, to write the book. Thank you for that. And yes, we cannot fault those who are functioning from necessity to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. But I really think the more we talk about this, you know, like just like yourself, you were guided to speak on this through your book mm -hmm. and expose that it's not left or right, it's top down. It's it's really coming from the corporate people who own the media, who own quite a lot of things, really. Um, the censorship in America, and I'm pretty sure around the world, is staggering. Yeah. And there is a, a journalist uh, recently who on, I think on Fox News, Ivory Heckard, she... Before saying the weather report, she said, oh, you know, I have some news for you. We are being censored. I'm paraphrasing a lot. And so she got fired. Mm -hmm. And so she came out in the open and uh, really exposed the censorship going on, calling out corporations and organizations that that's purposely manipulating the information. I think, you know, the journalism in America is dead. They're just saying what they're being fed to say. And that really controls the narrative of what people are hearing. And that controls and influences the decisions that people are making. And a lot of people are, are dead and dying and are uh, have compromise their health because of this influence uh, in media and social media as well. I'm not, I'm not completely sure about that exact instance, but I know it's happened a lot. In, in my book, I actually have stories from actual journalists who were themselves censored in ways. One story I talked to uh, Cenk Uger, who used to work at MSNBC and was an anchor there and now has gone independent and has started the, the Young Turks which is an independent news organization um, that's been growing rapidly um, since he, he began it some time ago. But he tells a story about how he ultimately was brought into the executive's office and was told, you know, that he needs to go easier on, on the people in Washington, right? Because we at MSNBC are insiders, not outsiders. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. But in, in, the, in the book, you know, it really goes into detail on, on that story and just how, how it happened and how being a hard-charging journalist going after both sides hard, Democrats and Republicans, it can get these journalists in a pretty sticky situation. And ultimately, what ended up happening with Uger was he was actually offered more money to take a smaller role, right? He, he had been doing weeknights. And they wanted to move him to the weekends. They wanted to offer him, you know, more money for a, for a smaller role. He ultimately turned it down and decided to go independent, which is a great move. But 
you know, he also says, and I have it in my book, he was afforded that opportunity because he had had a big audience from doing the Young Turks, the radio show before getting on MSNBC. So he had like an audience that he could fall back to and start his own uh, media company. But a lot of people don't have that. And a lot of journalists don't have that opportunity. When you think about it, like there are, I mean, there are some, uh, there are more and more independent outlets that are starting, starting up, but there really isn't, there really aren't that many places that you can turn once you kind of get out of the mainstream media or get that label that you're not, you're not a team player. You're not, you're not going to do what you're told. You kind of get blacklisted in a way and you you can't really get back into it. So you see a lot of these journalists, you know, end up playing ball and just doing what they're told because they don't, they don't want to lose their job. Right. Nobody, nobody really wants to lose their job all the time. So yeah, so so my book in my book, I mean, I have I have multiple stories about that, about media censorship and about how it how it happens. Um, and I mean, there's a quote which I which I think is one of the best quotes in my book. And this is from David Schuster, who also has worked at he's worked at NBC or MSNBC, uh, CNN, and Fox News. Started his own um, media. Uh, independent media called Quick Hits, but is now working at, at the Young Turks, another independent media source that, that Cenk Uger started. But I think this quote just really gets to the mean and the problems in journalism. And it is, journalists are made aware of where the channel or the network organization's priorities are. It is made clear to them, don't fuck with the piggy bank or the people who are buttering your bread, quote, end quote. But I just think that that is... I mean, that's the problem, right? Like, like right there, it's like, like that is, that is it. We have to get to a point where the people who are buttering their bread aren't just big time corporations or, or billionaires, right? It's not Jeff Bezos who owns the Washington Post, right? It's all of us. It's the everyday people, right? Right. So how do we do that? Well, I think we need to, we need to transition to an environment where, we have, you know, subscriber-funded independent media outlets, right? And many of them. There should be there should be a lot of smaller media outlets. It shouldn't just be, you know, one massive media outlet because that can be kind of corrupted fairly easily, right? There should be there should be a lot of smaller independent media outlets that are spanning the country, and what they can all have different viewpoints or slants. It doesn't really doesn't really matter there as long as you know we have a lot of them and that they're, they're beholden to to their viewers the people and not just big corporate actors well i remember when the censorship was really getting hot and heavy last year a lot of people like me are creating their own podcast and stuff and people are like well don't listen to that. She, you know, that click the clickbait and you know, just wants you to promote that show. And so even the people who are breaking out of that whole system of corruption, yeah, they're being made to look corrupt when they really just want to speak out and speak the truth, mm-hmm. right? Even when my mother died, my mother died of the vaccine. And someone immediately said, oh, she's just using her mother's death to promote her podcast. It's like, what? But I really think there's more and more and more of us, you as an author and Mm -hmm. podcasters that are just 
ready to speak up and are speaking their truth. We are the media now because the media has lost their integrity. Mm-hmm. I, but of course, there are still people who believe and bow to them and, and buy into their story. But I think there is a massive awakening happening right now all across the globe mm-hmm. where each and one of us is speaking our truth. And this is really the purpose of the podcast here is if you are so inspired to speak up and tell the truth or to even question, oh my God, you know, what Owen is saying is so true. It's so slanted how they are presenting information to the people. Then maybe something will spark and have them speak up and look into what's really going on. We really need to disempower those people in corporate who are feeding us their narrative and really pushing us to our own demise. And that for me is the crime, Um, using people's maybe ignorance, maybe just like you said, people just want to go from A to B. You know, uh, I don't want to have to bother about that. I just want to put food on the table. I just want a roof over my head. So they're they're very much, their thinking is like this. They can't deal with anything else because anything else, even just a feather, will break them up. Well, like, ah, this is too much. And the the situation right now, right, everyone is on tremendous stress with the pandemic, with the lockdown, with everything, with the loss of income. So if you add one more, be like yeah, the straw can. that broke yeah. the camel's back. What what do we do, right? Agreeing to what you're saying, that it's really individual responsibility and moral obligation. I don't have any respect for people who say, my hands are tied. Well, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Our hands are not tied. You, you can't actually break free from that and actually do what's right for humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I think there definitely is a lot of a lot of individual responsibility as well. But then I think there's also we have to understand as well that there's people who have you know been fed this narrative you know their their entire entire lives, right? That why would why would the people on the news not be telling the truth, right? That, that's their job is to tell me the truth, right? It's hard to educate people that, you know, there's bigger interests involved, right? There, It's it's not just about, you know, telling you what's going on. You, you know, you're kind of a pawn, pawn in their game, you could say. I think it's just really important for us to be respectful in the way that we, you know, share our truths or or how how we see how we see things and how how things are going because if you're too aggressive in sharing your your beliefs your this is true this is how the media operates this is this is fact right this isn't this isn't opinion but if you're too aggressive in how you go about sharing that um, I think it can turn people off because it's it's hard it's hard to admit that you're you're wrong or your frame of thinking isn't isn't correct. So I think I think we need to be very respectful in the way how how we share this information our information and just be there and kind of meet people where they are and, and bring them bring them along. Because because ultimately I think everyone can and will learn the truth of these things. It's just it's it's a tricky subject, but I think the more and more that people share and the more people that come out, and if we're talking about just about the media in general, the more people that share their experiences working in the mainstream media, 
how it happens. And then the more and more people that start up independent media outlets and those grow in popularity, it's, it's going to be a slow process. The more people that do it, I think, I think the better. And that's, that's just kind of how it is. So that's, that's kind of my, my mindset is to just kind of try and share this information, this message as much as possible. But if it's met with resistance, you know, I mean, it, it probably will be, be respectful to it, but just keep, keep sharing it because, um, Ultimately, that's the only way we're going to get we're going to have any real, real positive change is if we create a create a media that, you know, a, a news media that actually is telling us, telling us the real truth. And not, not a concept thing, <laughs> not, not the corporate version of the truth. <laughs> right, right. Not the corporate version of the truth, not the science that the corporation paid yeah. for for us to believe. It's just all. Yeah. yeah manipulated information and i am sick of it it is what i what i do think is also really important to acknowledge is not everything that comes from the media is is made up and is false right there's usually some degree of truth to it and they and you know there's a lot that comes out from the news newspapers or the news that that is true but they there's usually a, a strong corporate filter to it i think i think we can't be so fast to just call everything, you know, fake news or, or whatever. But there needs to just be more of an awareness of what's the rationale behind why this is a big news story and why why X is a big news story and why Y isn't. Because ever since, you know, ever since Donald Trump's rise to the to the presidency, you know, he really popularized fake news, right? Calling things fake news and and then we've had so many people, you know, they see something they don't agree with. They just say, oh, that's fake news. Right. But then they find something that they do agree with that may, you know, not be actually factual. But then that's, you know, that's obvious. That's that's fact. Right. That's that's undisputed fact. That's 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 it. You know, that that should be the news. The other stuff is is fake news. And I think it's really important that we, you know, don't fall into a, a trap of just calling everything we see fake news that we don't like. But at the same time, we need to know and be aware that everything that we do agree with and see isn't necessarily the truth, right? So I think understanding how it's it's, it's very complicated, but if you understand the, the structure of these media institutions and how ultimately they all end at either a, a billionaire or a billion dollar corporation, you can really start to understand, oh, I see why this is a big news story, right? Oh, I see why they are propping up this politician because they're getting campaign donate donations from, you know, these big corporations themselves. So they're, you know, going to be beholden and do everything that the corporate actors want, want them to do, right? Whereas this politician who's completely funded by, by the people and is independent, right, is being painted as sexist or you name it, is, is getting, you know, their character kind of assassinated in, in the media. So just having that awareness of the incentive structure that is in the mainstream media can really help you decipher what is fact and what is a narrative that's being made. And I think it's just really important that we ultimately know that incentive structure. And that's what my, my book tries to tries to lay out. If, if you can start getting your news from more independent sources, that's great. You don't have to necessarily 
just turn off the MSNBC, CNN, Fox, whatever. Like you can still get some news from there, but just know where that's coming from. Like be able to be able to decipher what's what's actually true, and then what's you know what's the slant, what's the opinion, what what's it trying to make you think, you know. So it's exactly. definitely a process. If you read my book, that should that should help uh, give you a framework for it. So. Okay, so your book is more political. Would that be uh, so accurate? It is not. It's not really political. I mean, it is. I mean, everything is inherently political. I'll kind of go through the layout, right? So the first part is I talk about how the free press, right? We're in our constitution. We're guaranteed the right to a free press, and how the the government or how. The press is technically free from government censorship in the in the U.S. And then I go through some examples of how the press has worked against the government, you know, with Watergate and Pentagon Papers, right? So some examples there. But then I pose the question: Well, if our if our press is free from the government, you know, shouldn't that be a good thing? And it's like, yes, that is a good thing. But is our press true truly free? Day and when I go into saying is that it's not. Because our press is owned by, you know, the big corporations who also kind of own the government because of or because of uh, campaign donations and which are, I mean, they're bribes. Like, let's let's be real. Nobody gives somebody a hundred thousand dollars just just to do it, right? So, I mean, they're they're bribes. These powerful actors, these corporations. They're the ones calling the shots and what politicians are getting into the government so and what they're doing, right? And there's no real check on those corporate actors. They own the media as well. So really, our, we don't have a free press in that, in that regard. And then so then the next part of the book is I lay out all of the, the history of some of the bigger mainstream media institutions and all the, the mergers and who were, how they were founded, all the corporate mergers that have happened. And then I get to, you know where things are today and who ultimately owns them, right? And I go through I go through NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox, and then the cable networks of MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News Channel. And then I do um, a few of the papers, the New York Times and the Washington Post, um, the Wall Street Journal, and, and the New York Post, I think. So, and I, and I kind of just lay it all out, and then I, I put in, I have some charts that show, you know, the actual chain, like the top of the chain and then all the other companies. And it's, it's pretty crazy to see just how these aren't independent institutions, right? The NBC is just a small, I mean, NBC is a massive company, but it's, it's very small when you look at the whole, you know, Comcast corporation and all of its, um, all of its offshoots that it has. So, so that's the next part. And then, and that, you know, that's a lot of, it's a lot of facts. It's a lot of, you know, it's not as, um, as exciting, but then the next part is when it really gets, really gets good. I think, cause I, I go into a lot of stories from, um, from actual people that have worked in these media institutions. Right. Um, and their stories of censorship or how it works, how they, see it um my own experiences working at papers and the group think that's there and um and the pressure to conform to what your your bosses are telling you and what what they're saying you know how anyways so it's it's a it's a lot 
it's, it's a lot of good information on how, how the system actually works, right? How the structure of corporate ownership has its impact on what ultimately gets printed in the news or runs on air, or goes on air, right? Um, so that's the third part. And then the last part is kind of like, a, well, now what? Where, where to turn, right? If, if we can't trust this mainstream media, and that I talk about how, how we can fix it, you know, fix this problem by setting up an incentive structure that um, incentivizes good, honest, objective reporting because you're you know getting your funding straight from the people and subscriber funded. And I have, and then I have examples of some you know some good independent sources that have have been out there. Um, but as as kind of proof of how fast things change, one of my sources that I I talked about, I talked about Rising. It's a it's a online media show, The Hills Rising. And it used to be co-hosted by Cigar and Jetty and Crystal Ball. And I interviewed Cigar and Jetty in the book and talked about him a lot. And that show and how, how they were independent, how they ultimately were the ones who picked the who came on and why they were different from the mainstream media. It was a really good interview, um, a lot of good information. But since I published, they have now changed their show they've left rising these two and have started their own um breaking points it's, it's their own show media show where it's available on youtube their website um it's also available on podcasts like spotify apple and that's that's great and that's so basically when i'm talking about rising here in my book i i need people to know that go to breaking points now because they have their their new like name or whatever and it's just kind of shows you work all you worked so hard putting this book together and then you finally publish it and then they change the <laughs> oh, well, to these people. But, um, but anyways, that's it. They're a very good, you know, independent news source that I, I listen to a lot and I, they're podcastable now. I kind of like that. So I can, I can listen to them while I'm working out and not have to have to be in front of a computer screen or. Right listen to or to watch them but they they do a really good job um i talk about quick hits that david schuster had and then now and then i talk about the young turks and then i talk about the daily poster which is and i talked to david sirota he's the one who started this and he i'm about that online newsletter newspaper it's just more i mean they're independent right they're all funded by you know subscriptions and subscribers so they're they're you know, they're beholden to their viewers. And that's right. kind of how we can get media that's more more objective. And some of those sources are are kind of left. But then I, I also say that there's there's other independent sources out there, too. I mean, if if I wrote about all of them, my, my book would be too long for anyone to read. But so I say, like, there's there's independent sources out there, you just got to find it, but you really got to look at where they get their funding from. Um, where they get their funding from. That's really important. Yeah. Because that will ultimately determine their, their content. Um, right. They're funded by the people or their viewers. They're going to be more objective than, you know, big corporate funded media outlets. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of the rundown of the book. Um, it starts with the history of the free press and then it starts with, and then it's, going through all the corporate structure and who owns what and all the mergers. And there, there are a lot of them. It can be kind of overwhelming. 
Um, right. But, and then, then we get into the fun stuff. It's just, it's just really, you know, all these great stories from people that have worked in the media about the censorship that happens and how it works and how it has its impact and how, how certain people get hired and then certain people get promoted and other people get fired based on the way they report and what stories they, they press and what pers perspectives they push. So yeah, and then, then we talk about how, how we can fix the issues. So that's kind of the rundown. Um, yeah, how to fix the issues is really important. Yeah, everyone get a copy of uh, the book, yeah. The Truth About Media with Owen. Uh, from what I'm hearing, it's really a good foundation to understand how the information trickles down, right? Yep. And uh, the media um, has a lot to do with uh, critical race theory, the election results, you know, the lockdown, climate change, uh, the vaccination. It, it's just 24-7 pumping all this information, pushing people to do, do, do what their the agenda of uh, the corporate wants them to do. I really think it's important to get to know what the motivation is. Mm -hmm. Right? Why are they pushing so much of this propaganda? There, there's so much that they're influencing. You know, normalizing pedophilia is uh, one of them too. That has that I've seen last year that they're covering in the news, and I'm like, what? So, you know, why? Why are we normalizing pedophilia now? So they have quite a bit of power when we stay ignorant. Mm -hmm. um, or avoidant <laughs> of what is really going on. And in, like you said, it is very, very understandable, but it's the future of humanity that's at stake here. And mm -hmm. why I call it a crime against humanity is because they really have um, influence on the depopulation or the erasure of humanity. So yeah, everyone, please get a copy of the book. It really is a good foundation to see mm -hmm. what, why are they feeding the kind of information that they're feeding? It lays out all the all the problems that cor the corporate structure, the structure of corporate ownership, um, poses to our to our news and and how we can fix them. Um, and there really are a lot of a lot of negative impacts that come from our our news not being as objective. Right. We're so divided as a nation now over topics that really shouldn't be that they shouldn't be that polarizing. Right. No. Um, and but you have it and it's kind of I view it as it's a, you know, a divide and conquer technique. Right. They're trying to divide everyone up so then they can suck everyone's money up and they can get richer and the rest of us can get poorer. So it's, it's ultimately, you know, it's 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 really important to, to know. And I think if you read. If you read my book, it's not right, left, it's top down, the truth about the media, you'll you'll get a very good and strong foundation as to how how it all works and and why it works that way and why is it a problem um, and how we can go about make creating a media that is uh, beholden to us and not just a few corporate actors. Um, right. Yeah. Tell me this, uh, since you talked about freedom of the press. Uh, this guy is from Canada yeah. who was arguing that, no, you don't have freedom of speech. It is given to you by the government. Do you want to uh, speak on that? Because I, I was like, 
No wonder we are screwed up. I would like to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, you talk about all these freedoms and what, what you have. I mean, do we do we really have freedom of speech? I, I think I, I don't think it's really it's really there. I think I think it's a very important thing to have, but I don't I don't think we necessarily have it. I mean, you look at but is it our right? Is it our inalienable right? Yeah, I mean, speech? I mean, I think it should be, but I don't think it I don't think it really is because people are able to be silenced. And we talk about, you know, there is hate speech and all these things, which is I mean, bad. We shouldn't we shouldn't be disrespecting other people so much and there shouldn't be all this um if you're if if we have the freedom of speech right and if we are going to have a free free press these freedoms um the bad stuff has to be allowable because if that stuff starts to get censored then good things can be censored as well right um so i look at like the whole fact of you know donald trump now being banned from twitter i personally think he says a lot of you know a lot of bad things that he's probably better if he if he didn't say them. When you see a co- corporation like Twitter, you know, ban them from the platform and that's just okay. Um, I think that leads to a really, you know, tough road because all of a sudden all these people who are happy that, you know, he's banned, well, now we've set the precedent that it's it's okay to, to ban anyone. So so you could be banned as well, right? And we just keep censoring all this speech. So I ultimately think speech in general should be, you should be free to say whatever, whatever it is you want. Um, and do we really have that in the U.S.? I, I would say we probably, we probably don't um, because there's definitely a lot of censorship on, in certain areas, you know, and it, and it really comes, it, it's, are you inside the club or are you outside the club, right? As if you want to say, you know, a lot of the stuff Trump was saying was being censored, right? But then a lot of stuff that, you know, more more leftist politicians like Bernie Sanders or Ilan Omar or whoever, like they get there's a lot of censorship on what they're saying as well. So if you're not right down right down the center, right, you know, part of the part of the club, part of the elites, you don't really have as, you know, your free freedom of speech probably isn't as as great. Um isn't <laughs> it's not as, it's not as free. Um, so technically, yeah, it's, it's there, but it definitely could be, it definitely could be enforced in a, in a better way, I would say. Right. Um, I think we, we need less of government overreach and meddling with our personal lives. Yeah. Uh, I, I ultimately think that, I don't know if it's, you know, less governments or more government. We just need government that's responsive to the people. Because our government isn't responsive to the people. It's responsive to the corporations and the, control. The, the billionaires that, that bankroll them, right? They aren't, they aren't responsive to their constituents. You look at polls on, you know, certain policies, like I talk, brought up Medicare for all, that's over like 60, 70% of the people support that. But the government won't, won't touch that, won't come close to doing that because big time private insurance companies, they don't, they don't want that to happen because then they lose their their money there. I don't necessarily think it's the government or the having government as an institution. It's it's who is the government responsive to? And right now they're not responsive to us. So I think that's the more important more important thing to do. Let's get our government to respond to the people, everyday people, and not just the people that bankroll them. Yeah, that's those are my thoughts there. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much, Owen. Do you have any final words uh, for the listeners? Thanks for having me. I appreciate talking to you and all of you that are listening. If you want to get a copy of my book, that'd be that'd be great. Uh, it's available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. You can reach out to me directly and you can get a, get a copy. Or if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And yeah, I just... I love to talk about it with people and, and hopefully share, share this message and just, let's just remember that we're all, we're all humans and we should respect everyone, no matter, no matter what, no matter our, our race, our gender, our sexuality, our whatever. And let's, let's just remember that we're, we're ultimately all people and we're all kind of being, being held back in one way or another. So we should come together rather than, rather than be so, so divisive. Um, and so divided. Read the book. Um, it's it's an it's an important subject, and I think you can get a lot out of it. And if you can, and if you're willing to share it with friends and and family, that would be great as well. Because the more more people talking about it, the faster it spreads, and uh, the faster we can have a make a positive positive impact. My email is owenmayju at gmail.com. Oh, and I'm happy to answer any questions or provide more resources. Awesome. Thank you so much, Owen. This was so fascinating. And thank you for answering to your truth and and writing this book and uh, sharing with everyone that it's not left, right? It's uh, top down, um, the truth about media. Thank you so much. And everyone, I'm going to ask you the question, do you really believe in your right to free speech? Do you believe that it's inherent in you to freely speak what is your truth, right? So don't allow the media to tell you the truth. I would encourage you to really go deep inside your soul to know what your truth is and do not be afraid to speak out about it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.